Australia. The ASX 200 has risen two-thirds of a percent now. In South Korea, the Cosby is up 0.2%, and futures markets indicating a flat open for the Hang Seng in an hour's time. In the commodities markets, gold is slipping a little bit. Uh, it's currently uh, trading at $1,877 an ounce, and Brent crude oil is at $68.43 a barrel. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Stay tuned for Back Chat. Hugh Chiverton and Andrew Work coming up in just a moment. The weather forecast for today, sunny periods, few showers and thunderstorms. Very hot in the afternoon. Again, maximum temperature is going to be around 33 degrees. And that very hot weather is going to persist in the next couple of days. Also be a few showers uh, as well. The temperature right now is 30 degrees, 80% relative humidity, and there is a thunderstorm warning in force. 8.31, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The Belarusian journalist Roman Protasvevich, who was arrested after the authorities forced his internal EU flight to divert to Minsk, has appeared in a video apparently confessing to organising mass protests against the president. His forehead looks bruised. Here's the BBC's Sarah Rainsford. Roman Protasevich speaks directly to the camera to announce that he's being held in Minsk Detention Centre number 1. He says he's being treated absolutely correctly, has no health problems and is cooperating with the investigation, admitting his role in organising mass opposition protests last year. It is the first sighting of the journalist since his flight was forced to land in Minsk yesterday, escorted by a Belarusian fighter jet but it is a very uncomfortable 29-second watch. Roman is clearly making a statement that's been prepared for him to demonstrate his guilt. European Union leaders have agreed to ban Belarusian airlines from the European airspace and have told EU airlines not to fly over Belarus. The bloc has also said it'll extend targeted economic sanctions against the Belarusian authorities. A judge on the U.S. Pacific island of Saipan has ordered a Hong Kong company to pay seven Chinese construction workers a total of 5.4 million U.S. dollars. Imperial Pacific International was accused of forcing the laborers to work long hours in dangerous conditions to build a casino while they were denied medical care for injuries and threatened with deportation and death. U.S. Olympic officials say they're confident their athletes will be able to take part safely in the Tokyo Games, despite U.S. government advice not to travel to Japan because of coronavirus. The Japanese government is trying to control the surge in COVID-19 infections. Scientists have partially restored the eyesight of a man from France who was completely blind with the help of microscopic algae. The new gene therapy called optogenetics is based on the proteins the algae use to swim towards light. These proteins were added to the man's retina. Wearing special goggles, he was able to make out stripes on a pedestrian crossing. The vision was blurry and limited but life-changing. Dr. José Alain Sahel is from the Institute of Vision in Paris. This patient initially, I think, was a bit frustrated because it took a long time between the injection and the time he started to see something. But uh, when he started to report spontaneously that he was able to see the, the white stripes to come across the street, uh, you can imagine that he was very excited. Everyone was excited. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Andrew Work. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Hugh. 
Today, municipal waste charging and fighting the heat. The Legislative Council is expected to pass, finally, the waste charging scheme soon, only 20 years after it was first proposed. Hong Kong residents under the proposal will need to use prepaid designated garbage bags with a price of 11 cents a litre. An average family expected to pay around 33 to $51 a month. According to a recent survey by a local think tank, over 65% of people agree that the waste charging scheme should now be implemented. Well, what do you think? How much would you pay and what should we do with things like for example masks after 9 15 we're going to be discussing hot weather last sunday the hottest day on in may on uh, record will the weather gradually become hotter and if so how should we change our behavior around town what about our prisons what about the issues of hiking and mask wearing let us know your thoughts and your answers you can leave comments on our facebook page backchat and rthk radio 3 you can email backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our number is 233 I'm sorry, the uh, the uh, our servers weren't working yesterday, and we weren't able to to uh, air the uh, emails you sent yesterday. Um, I, I've got some of them, uh, interesting points, and uh, I'd like to uh, introduce them uh, maybe in a couple of points uh, in the program today. Uh, so I'll do some perhaps after the news at nine. Um, just to kick off uh, now uh, with a few. Uh, Jeremy says, "Back chat on the LGBT index. Why on earth do companies need to participate in this?" LGBT index malarkey. Why do members of this alphabet soup need to be treated differently from any other person? Come on, stop the identity politics and leave sexuality to the bedroom. That's from Jeremy. Din says uh, on the Shenzhen vaccination, which vaccine is being deployed in Shenzhen? Sinopharm, WHO approved, or Sinovac, not yet WHO approved, or what percentage of East? Uh, Pete says, can any of your guests explain why the UK and Ireland are in a very high risk category of their own for quarantine for arrivals coming to Hong Kong, which means that vaccinated or not, arrivals need to stay for 21 days in a designated hotel. Thus, when the vaccination rate in the UK is much higher and seven-day average number of COVID cases is now much lower than places designated as less high risk like the US, Canada and Japan. Vaccinated arrivals from which benefit from more relaxed quarantine requirements. That's from from, uh, Peter. And uh, Dr Judith Mackay uh, says, I earlier questioned what is the legal position for employers if COVID is caught at work? For example, universities, restaurants and so on. Would this apply to non-employees like restaurant guests and students? I was interested to see in today's South China Morning Post uh, that uh, 539 employees who suspected they contracted the virus at work filed claims with the Labour Department seeking compensation from their bosses. The highest compensation so far was 335000 Is this not an impetus for business and industry to provide a safe working and studying environment for their employees, just as they obey other public health regulations like food hygiene, safety, no smoking, etc.? That's from Dr Judith Mackay. Once again, our email for our comment. We want to hear from you, backchant at rthk.hk. So we're talking mostly today about the uh, municipal uh, uh, waste charging uh, scheme, which may now finally be coming to fruition. With us is Edwin Lau, founder and executive director of uh, Green Earth, Paul Zimmerman, a Southern District Councillor, CEO of Designing Hong Kong, and Helga von Turnout, who's a founder of Wealth of Flows Consulting. Uh, Edwin Lau, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Hello, Edwin. Edwin? Yes. Yes, you're there. Good, yes. So... Uh, I've been talking to you on this topic for uh, for maybe 15 years or, or something. Yes, it's quite a long time. A, a long, it's long repeated. time. 
are you are you how are you feeling now? Are you feeling optimistic that this might actually become reality soon? Uh, I, I just really hope that this will become really a law that the government will uh, uh, implement it very soon uh, for this city that uh, is uh, challenged by uh, the uh, solid waste problem for ages. And it is unbelievable that such a law can take so long, about two decades for, I mean, repeated uh, consultation, repeated uh, discussion, and, and, and it is just moved an inch and inch, and I, I just can't believe uh, Hong Kong's, I mean, is in such a situation. The law is simple, and it has been, uh, similar law has been uh, uh, enacted in other uh, countries, other cities, and this is no stranger to, <laughs> to Hong Kong, and, and we should really, uh, I urge the legislature uh, will use their I mean, uh, their, their, their caring attitude for our environment. Edwin, and, and we, Edwin, we're, we're not there yet. Didn't wasn't LegCo almost there last year when the committee decided to shelve this? Uh, it was debated in the LegCo, and up to a point last year that they suddenly the LegCo legislature um, uh, said there isn't enough time for them to continue discussing about the uh, the, the bill and, and and stop it. Uh, abruptly in the middle and and what were they still discussing what was there to talk about after 15 years that they said oh we don't have enough time to continue talking that's why i said it is unbelievable and in 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 our common sense that i mean the abuse committee has set up and it's for all the legislature to scrutinize uh, all the uh, points uh, proposed by the government and back and forth and back and forth. And I think the government should be uh, having all the answers for the legislator and would not be put them in, in a dark or, or uh, having con- confusion anymore. So uh, I think at this point, the uh, municipal solid waste of Hong Kong is keep rising. It's keep rising our per capita uh, daily disposal of uh, MSW. Paul Zimmerman, uh, do you think that uh, public opinion has changed on this finally? Do you think that's shifted? Uh, and if so, why? I, I think the uh, public opinion has shifted. We've seen it from uh, two uh, 
two research uh, done, one done, and uh, and Helgen can tell more about that. Uh, a, a survey into the uh, ex- uh, in perception of uh, uh, the public regarding the uh, plastic bottle recycling and the willingness to uh, uh, to recycle and and what the uh, their their objects and uh, their uh, hesitance is in in uh, in recycling. And and we see that a lot of people they, uh, they they as long as they can trust the bins are willing to return their recyclable materials to special bins, and uh, they were willing to make that extra effort without even getting money for it. Um, and the other surveys done recently by uh, Civic Exchange, where uh, basically 65% of the respondents agree to the proposed charges and the blue to pay principle and and the welcome municipal solid waste charging. So I, I think the, the community is ready. Um, the politicians are not. Um, they, uh, I think, they one that they are very worried about public opinion in terms of uh, votes. Because uh, that, that was up. the issue before, wasn't it? They, it they still thought is. they'd lose votes if they charged people. If they, it still is. It's still seen as potentially something that uh, the, the people of the, the the public is not going to be too happy about. Um, and then the question is, why is it? Why are they so fearful? Uh, you know, where where is the hesitance? And and I think it is that the uh, the government looks unprepared when you look in the streets, mm. when you see the refuse collection points, when you see the kind of um, the recycling bins, and they always look a mess. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah they don't. They don't give a lot of. They don't instill a lot of confidence in people. And I think that is something that the government has never really uh, f- focused on and, and addressed. And um, but that makes the politicians nervous, uh, despite the fact that we've said, uh, you know, look at the surveys, look at the, the readiness of the community, just go for it, you know, be a leader in society yeah. rather than being worried about the vote. Right now, government is very sensitive about everything because they've kind of chased all the election systems and mm. they, they're a bit worried about how all of this is going to pan out. They try to put all negative news away as much as possible, trying to have a free ride at, uh, as much as possible when the elections come around. Um, and not to upset the community in any possible way. So um, I'm still nervous that uh, uh, this is not going to make it before uh, the end of the term. So one question I have that I'm trying to figure out is if you do recycle, if you all of a sudden start separating your garbage, are are they going to charge you for the recycling that you take to a recycling bin or just the non-recyclables? No, you you get charged for what is waste. Okay. You know, what you waste, what you throw in the refuse, what is refuse. Right. Uh, the recyclable materials, uh, m- most, most of the recyclable materials, if they've been properly separated, mm-hmm. they're worth money. Yeah. Um, and people will pick them up and, and government will, is, is already subsidizing mm-hmm. all kind of mechanisms to get the recyclable materials back. Where there's but the there would be shops, no incentive for you to separate your waste. Well, some of them there is. It depends if you're interested in the money. Right now, most of that money, because it's it's a little money, it will go to the cleaners. So the cleaners they set up systems in your in you know the, the domestic helper will carry things out. The, mm. the 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 building cleaners keep they have separate bins. The street cleaners keep things separate throughout the system in Hong Kong. What we see is that the cleaners are the ones that are doing the job of keeping it separate, especially when it comes down to paper and metal. And the question is, can we then add on other materials to it? that have even lower value than metal and paper, Mm -hmm. like plastics. Um, And for that, we need a greater gap 
between the recyclable value and the waste cost. And if there's no cost on waste, then people are not going to make an effort. But if sure. waste is going to cost money, then and there is and there's a little bit of value onto that plastics, and the gap becomes bigger, and then you're going to have more of an incentive to to keep it separate. Mm. Um, and the cleaners will move it. I mean, the, the systems are there. I mean, the amount of paper and metal that is recovered from our waste stream is very, very high. You'll be looking, you're looking at 80% when it comes to aluminum cans. Ms. Okay. Turner, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Do you think there's been a, a shift of attitude? Uh, uh, and if so, you know, is it a, a wave we can ride? Uh, there absolutely is. Um, I would say that when we hear the reaction of people to the availability or lack of availability, um, the convenience, the trust they put or do not put currently into recycling systems, for example, there's generally a much stronger sensibility and sensitivity around waste management here in Hong Kong. People are starting to get fed up um, with trash being everywhere, part of their beach outing, part of uh, their sidewalk, sidestepping uh, nonstop. Um, it's, it's, it's so pervasive um, that people are ready for a better system. Okay, uh, and they're willing to pay for that, you think? And do you think these levels are about right? We were talking about 33 to $51 a, a month uh, for a family. Yeah, so actually we, the Civic Exchange, um, together with uh, Pori, has run a survey um, a few months back mm. on public attitudes around this, and it's clear that people are willing to pay for this. Now, we should understand that with many other... Uh, along with many other uh, waste-related topics here in Hong Kong, our baseline is a bit different from, from other countries. People are not very aware of what we're currently paying for waste. Uh, this is coming out of, not out of the, directly out of their pocket. It's coming out of some general budget that they have no visibility on. So this new number that we circulate um, has relatively little meaning um, in relationship to what they currently pay, but has a lot of meaning to their monthly budget, for example, and people are generally accepting of that. How close is this to what people, what it actually costs to remove garbage from a public housing estate it, or an apartment building or... Yeah, it does not cover uh, the full cost, but it doesn't have to be. Even in best-in-class uh, pay-as-you-throw systems, as they're sometimes called, um, it does not need to cover the full, um, the full amount of waste management. It's good to have other sources uh, to cover the baseline. So, so what, it, what percentage? I mean, is this like 10% of the normal cost that we'd never see, or is it like No, no, it's a, it's, a higher, it's a higher percentage. 50? But it's as with many, with many government uh, items here, it's not fully clear on what the total cost is because it's uh, rather fragmented the way it is reported on. But it's, it's covering a, a, a good chunk, um, and it definitely will also give the signal to the population. So it always has a double function, right? We need to cover a sufficient part of the cost, and we need to signal to the population that they need to reduce um, the waste they generate and recycle more. Um, but what we do have here in Hong Kong is a high amount of littering. Um, so that means uh, elements of waste that do not end up in a organized waste collection points. And it is clear, um, I don't know the, the exact numbers for Hong Kong, but from other uh, locations, that cleaning up littering is tenfold, if not more, um, cost of uh, organized waste collection. Yeah, but that's 
deal that supposedly dealt with that five thousand dollar fine, which seems to be rarely enforced. I've never Th that's the issue, right? This, if we don't enforce this more, we're going to have a real issue with the municipal waste charging because what you see is that normally when you introduce it, you have. Um, a few months, if not a few years, of increased littering. Mm -hmm. um, so we really need to crack down on that. Is this program going to pay for itself? I mean, if I pay, what, $1.10 for a 10-liter for a bag, is that going to cover the cost of creating the bag, selling the bag, distributing the bag? Administrating. Administration, all that kind of stuff? Like, is, is the program going to pay for itself? Yes. Roughly? Yes? Yeah, yeah we hope so. I can't tell you. I don't yeah. know, I don't know the, uh, the budget costs for this in terms of program. government operations and whether, we, whether this is cost recovery or whether they actually get some extra revenue or yeah. we were well under. I've not seen those numbers, and I think mm -hmm. it's a fair question that's, that should be asked. For me, for me, the most important thing is that we're going to get a system like this implemented as soon as possible, mm -hmm. um, that there is going to be that waste charge so that the, matches, the messaging to the community is clear that waste costs money because right now it doesn't look like it's going to cost money just dumping it gets sure. cleaned up by people yeah. um, and whether it's entirely cost recovery or not I, th I think that's a matter of good governance that we're going to see those numbers clearly spelled out yeah. uh, but that, that can can i take that to a next point then sure the um the, the importance of how to do that is by making sure you have a clear a waste authority Right, so where all the monies that are being spent on waste and recycling and all the money that comes in related to waste and recycling and cleansing all runs through one set of account that is public and visible. Yeah. The same like the airport authority, all, all, all the money comes in and out. It's clearly visible Absolutely. because it's kept separate from the, mm -hmm. from the other accounts. If we can get that done, that would, be, uh, that would be a massive step forward. And that means integrating the waste and cleansing related operations of the FEHD and the waste and recycling operations uh, under EPD, mm -hmm. under one authority, right. and make sure that all money, say, for example, a, a fine gets paid to the authority, not to general revenue, mm -hmm. so that it's all visible. Yeah, and then uh, presumably then it would be applied against landfill costs and, you know, building new incinerator costs. All of those costs are then visual recycling. visualized within the waste authority. Edwin Loud, do you agree with that idea? Yes, yes. I remember uh, the environment minister, KS Wong, uh, he mentioned uh, to the public uh, in 2018 that uh, whatever the cost that they collected from the uh, general public for the uh, waste charging, they will not put it uh, into as a revenue of the government, but they will use exactly the similar sum of that for all the necessary work for promoting waste reduction, uh, uh, enhancing waste recycling, and do a lot more uh, public education to encourage the public to really uh, care and concern about our waste issues and, and, and to act uh, accordingly. And this is what he said, that the money will not be a, an added revenue for the government. This is a very important point, because some people, some legislators say that, oh, your government wants to get more money from taxpayers, so you <laughs> another kind of uh,
Okay, well, here's a sceptical member of the public picking up on some of those things. This is an email from Jay, uh, who says, What a load of garbage and what a disgrace 15 years on, and you're now thinking of charging the public just so government officials can have a pay rise. 15 years ago, you should have redesigned all the garbage bins, standardised everything so that it's practical and easy to clear away, instead of rubbish around the bins, instead of contractors being unable to deal with the rubbish and taking too long. It's a disgrace. Garbage collectors want an easy job and therefore design the bins and trucks so they can do do their job quickly and efficiently. Uh, where did they do their survey? Certainly not among the working class. A working class can't afford things with big packages and cardboard, exotic wrappings, and what idiots decided to remove bins instead of redesigning them. Start off by re-coordinating all the government departments and give them a lesson in communication. That comes uh, from Jay. So, well, that's exactly the attitude in society that stops government from putting a, pushing ahead with MSW, with the uh, municipal solid waste charging. Mm. It's that kind of distrust uh, with what, and, and disappointment with uh, what we have seen so far over the many years, and uh, and now I hope that the government is going to instead of s stopping the MSW the, the waste charging is going to pick up a beat and try to be visual, be out there. I mean, the simple thing: just clean up the bins. Of paint up the, the, the refuse collection point, hire a bunch of extra people to make sure that things are clean and that the refuse collection points are looking t tidy. I mean, they, they can do that with, uh, we, we, need, uh, we need employment. <laughs> so uh, with little money, the government can make a big, uh, a big impact here. Okay, so some more comments this is from Facebook. Carol says, uh, government needs to empty the recycling bins more often. They're always yep. overflowing. Uh, Nigel says, I hope the discussion doesn't become bogged down just talking about domestic waste. Don't forget that business and commercial waste forms a big proportion of what is defined as municipal waste in Hong Kong. If there is a charge for waste disposal, then businesses such as shopping centres will suddenly show an interest in waste reduction and recycling, which at the moment they say is too difficult. Edwin Loud, do you go along with that? Now, the uh, MSW charging is cover both uh, commercial waste and domestic waste and they charge at, at the same rate. So no matter you are the waste coming from an office building, a shopping mall, or from a residential, they all uh, face the same charges. And government will use the back system that you buy some prepaid the bags, then you already pay the garbage charge. If you reduce your, your waste, then you can buy smaller garbage bags, which according to the per liter uh, charge that you, you pay less. This is the idea of the pollute pace. If you pollute more, you generate more waste. You pay, you pay more, and this will give a strong signal. If there's this, this legislation, this signal will give to all the, all the bosses and all the financial controllers that of companies that they will, okay, uh, uh, ask their employees to really uh, try best to reduce the waste and to recycle as much as they can, and that the disposal volume or disposal amount uh, will be uh, uh, kept to a minimum. Because mm -hmm. one thing is that this is done elsewhere, isn't it? There's an email from uh, James. This is a uh, uh, Different James? No, James, yeah, okay, that James, all right, uh, who says that Taiwan sets the example in the world for recycling. The Taiwan government promotes source separation of waste and collects all recyclables, whereas in Hong Kong, the pathetic government collects only from housing estates. In Taiwan, there's a waste collection charge for those waste items left after recyclables are moved at no charge. In Taiwan, plastic bottles are recycled and all the bus stop signs and posts on the island are made from recycled bottles. Recycled bottles used to create clothing and the former FIFA World Cup soccer kits were made from recycled 
recycled bottles. Um, uh, the Hong Kong government talks rubbish about being carbon neutral in the future, whereas they intend to burn waste, including recyclables. Uh, Hong Kong wet market waste is the wettest in Asia, with a calorific value below 2, whereas you need a calorific value of more than 5.5, a minimum for combustion, which means adding accelerants like oil or coal to create combustion. Uh, uh, that's uh, some of the uh, comments by James. Yeah, and I mean, uh, this is one of the things he identifies in the Taiwan program, is that it, it specifically encourages the separation of recyclables, and it sounds like you don't have to pay for your recyclables if you separate them and take them to recycling. We don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the earlier part of the show, we identified that we don't, there isn't going to be that kind of an incentive in the Hong Kong program. I mean, if I'm at home, I'd be like, see my kids throw a plastic bottle in with the rest of the garbage. I'm going to be like, hey, you kids, wrong place. Put it in a separate one because I don't want to pay for that bottle. But here, you're still going to have to pay for the bottle. No, 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 no. If you separate those recyclables, you don't need to pay for the recyclables. recyclables. They are stationed, uh, operated by NGO or operated by the government uh, to receive these uh, clean recyclables that uh, no charge at all. Only charge those mixed ways that you cannot uh, get recycled. So is there a plan to dramatically increase the number of recycling collection centers because they're overflowing now and i mean if you give people an incentive to to separate and take things to the recycling is that included as part of the plan have they thought through to that level because i'm, I'm thinking about even just recycling areas around where i live man they're gonna have to be like quadruple the size yes so this is part of everything being linked up with municipal waste charging as the basis for both funding mm-hmm. and uh, incentivizing. So if you have a municipal waste charging that creates an incentive as you described it, in your household you no longer put the bottle in your regular trash but you'll keep it separate for recycling mm-hmm. um, that needs to be coupled with sufficient infrastructure to give people the opportunity to keep their recyclables out of their waste. I know it should, but is it in the plan? Yes, it, is in, the, it is in the plan okay. and it is important that <laughs> this municipal waste charging piece comes into place quickly so that government and LegCo can move on with other parts of the policy development as I think Paul touched on, uh, for example, um, recyclables of, of uh, beverage uh, containers, recycling beverage containers. but. And I, I just want to point out to, uh, to the earlier uh, comment yeah. that there is support for municipal waste charging across all segments of society, across all educational uh, levels, across all occupations, and across party lines okay. or political lines. So it's not true that only higher educated people or only um, uh, professional Middle people... Class. Have, yeah, have an interest. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna to break now for the news at 9 o'clock and say goodbye to uh, Edwin Lau. Many thanks, uh, Mr Lau, founder and executive director of uh, Green Earth. We'll continue the conversation. We're also going to be talking about uh, uh, is Hong Kong getting hotter and uh, what should we do about it? How should we change the way we act? The weather, uh, sunny periods and a thunderstorm warning. Uh, there will also be a few showers and thunderstorms. Very hot again this afternoon. 29 degrees now, humidity 87%. Can fight a jet but it is a very uncomfortable 29-second watch. Roman is clearly making a statement that's been prepared for him to demonstrate his guilt. You're listening to the news on RTHK. 
Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Andrew Work and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about uh, municipal uh, waste charging, the scheme that might finally be uh, uh, coming to fruition uh, in uh, perhaps in the summer and see how it gets on uh, in LegCo. Uh, we're joined now by uh, Helga von Turnout, who's the founder of Wealth of Flows uh, Consulting, and uh, Paul Zimmerman, who's a Southern District Councillor, CEO of uh, Designing Hong Kong. Later, we're going to be talking about uh, the heat uh, with the former assistant director of the observatory. We want to hear from you. As ever, you can email backchat at rthk.hk. You can go to our Facebook page. That's backchat on rthk radio 3. Or, best of all, you can just uh, pick up the phone and join the conversation. And our number is 233-88266. Uh, as I said, uh, um, sorry, we had problem, technical problems yesterday, so we weren't able to wear uh, the uh, email. So let's put some more of those uh on air now, uh, related to our discussion yesterday about vaccination issues. Bowen says, Dear Backchat, some people are reluctant to vaccinate, as Dr Alvin Chan complained about, because in the present political climate, they are predisposed not to trust what the government is telling them over any contentious issue. My understanding is that people like Dr Hopak Lung have suggested that if the government will release the daily death rates of unvaccinated people suffering from strokes, etc., and compare that with the death rates of vaccinated people who die shortly after vaccination, vaccination, that will go a long way to persuading people that the deaths in latter cases are really comparable, especially if they're at a rate not higher than the unvaccinated groups, to those who die, naturally, without having been vaccinated anyway. Don't seem to have heard about the government releasing this information ever or on a daily basis, or having taken steps to providing other convincing scientific figures and data. Just issuing people blank statements, telling them to trust the government, the science and the deaths of the vaccinated have no direct relations to the vaccine is Definitely not enough, and one can understand why. Phil B says, Can you ask every guest on Backchat have they had their jab? If not, why? Uh, Tony says, uh, Mike Rouse, wake up. Vaccinated people can still get COVID, so even if you're vaccinated, you should be tested and still need to wear a mask. Let's wait and see what happens in the country that says if you're vaccinated, you don't need to. Uh, wear a mask. Alango says, I literally lost my hope on quarantine-free travel. The government is not going to give any real incentives for fully vaccinated people. They like to confine all of us inside Hong Kong for years to come. Please drop the unrealistic zero-COVID policy and incentivize the vaccinated people. I mean, go aggressive on the incentives. I'm not referring to money by the way. Uh, Tim says, small wonder that Dr. Arasina Mard, her Public Doctors Association, have been shut out of the evaluation body that will decide admission requirements for overseas trained doctors to practice in Hong Kong. If her position on COVID vaccination is anything to go by, she clearly has nothing of value to contribute. Carrie Lam, on the other hand, is to be applauded for taking measures to mandate vaccination as a prerequisite to foreign or cross-border travel. Now is not the time to pander to those whose motives are politically driven. The administration needs to take firm and resolute action to prevent Hong Kong being isolated from the rest of the world due to its low vaccination rates. And uh, James says, your phoning contributor yesterday, Jim Middleton, pointed out the number of times that CY Lung has visited China in the past year, presumably without having to quarantine. In his role as advocate for Clean Air, Clean Air Hong Kong, Jim could also have pointed out that smokers also appear to be a especially privileged sector within our society. Of course, the strictly enforced masking law certainly doesn't apply to them. They're protected by the divine right of smokers that allows them to discard masks and puff away with impunity anytime, anywhere. 
Uh, George Orwell in Animal Farm could well have been describing present-day Hong Kong with his astute observation, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. That comes from uh, Emrys. Thank you very much indeed for that. I have to admit to you, I was thinking of getting a fake cigarette just so I could walk around without, <laughs> without my mask on in 33-degree heat now that I'm double vaccinated to answer the other person's question. Um, coming back to municipal waste charging, uh, so... Uh, one of the questions that I have for, for everybody on the show today is, what are the metrics? How do we know if this is a success? Uh, do we have a, you know, of course, this is all about driving behavior, and it can be measured in waste reduction. And how much waste reduction are we expecting, how quickly, to deem this a success? And if it's not a success, what then? Do we double the rates? Do we abandon the plan? I mean, so for, I guess the first part is, like, how do we know that this is a success? Waste reduction of what percentage? Hmm. Well, I'll leave it to Helka to do numbers, uh, uh, but uh, my, 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 let, let me give you my metrics. Sure. Uh, my metrics is uh, because I, 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 these days I walk up the back of buildings a lot, mm. whether it's a housing estate or a, or a residential estate or a commercial building. I walk I'm, up the I'm back not, of I'm the not building. passing judgment. You know, don't, yeah. don't, 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 seriously, it's, like walking, up, it's yeah. walking up the back of the building, which means where the garbage comes out sure. and follow the garbage. And then you find yourself in the place where the garbage comes from the building before it goes into the truck and you look at it and then you identify how many bins are there for what materials mm. and most often then there is the wet waste and there might be a, a rack for paper and mm. there might somebody might keep a bin somewhere for some metal and that is it mm. there's very few places where you see full recycling full effort being made of F full separation the only place where i really saw this beautifully done was at one of the universities where i walked up the back and there were containers for every type of material and it was fully separated mm. and the cleaners were fully rewarded because they could stockpile these materials in those large dif different bins and they could then sell that and earn money from it and that's how the cleaners then um, um, were motivated to continue to do that for me, the metrics is that we're going to walk up the back of a building, whether it's a private, uh, somebody's house, whether it's, and you see the separation. That is the metric. Do is that, we see the separation? Is, is and it, do we see the containerization? Because that takes space. Mm -hmm. And space is very expensive in Hong Kong. So, is, is it a cultural yeah. thing? I'm just thinking they do it in Japan, don't they? Japan, you get that kind it's just, of. It's a yeah. space. You get that so separation. There's a lot but, of loose. Um, unallocated space in Japan around the side of your house. It's, it's, you don't have a lot of, you know, it's, you don't have the high-rise phenomena we have here in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a, a constraint on space that you don't have in Germany, mm -hmm. in the US, sure. in, in Canada, where mm -hmm. you're from. Yeah. So, so, and that, that's the battle. So my metric is very simple. I walk up the back of the building and do I see separation mm -hmm. of materials? Yeah. Yes, that's the metric. And, and we don't, don't see too, uh, enough of it. So MSW is going to help that. Okay, well, when it, yeah. comes, when it comes to space uh, as well, uh, Paul, uh, I've got a couple of uh, comments. Uh, you might be interested in Dan says, from what I can see, this program is totally impractical for those of us living in village flats and houses where we often have rubbish that won't fit into some little bag at 11 cents a litre. We have a fairly significant illegal dumping problem now. What's going to happen after this program is implemented? Burning and dumping of rubbish will itself become an epidemic. Can we please just leave things the way they are? If it isn't broke, don't fix it. And Nigel says, Dan, I totally agree. The village waste collection is anarchic. Uh, government talks about waste collection, but village waste is 
collected by a grab lorry. Uh, he says, uh, unfortunately, Dan, the system is totally broken. We have some of the highest per capita waste generation in the world because there's no financial cost to dumping. It's free. In Europe, for example, there's a landfill tax of about uh, 100 euros a tonne here. The amount being proposed is a lot less. It is a landfill charge and there's an incentive to invest in recycling. For example, the 5 million or so PET bottles thrown away in Hong Kong every day, only 0.4% are recycled. Why spend money on recycling when you can throw it away for free until we run out of uh, landfill space? Uh, and, uh, yeah, also one from... Uh, um, this is from Luis, uh, who says, completely agree with Paul Zimmerman... Uh, Government waste and recycling facilities are revolting and not fit for purpose. Personally, I've seen street cleaners collecting waste from recycling bins and putting it in with general rubbish. So the whole policy is failing. The middle class may be willing to pay for this service, but it will be a burden for lower-income families who are already struggling financially. In Kowloon East, now there is a company offering collection of recyclable waste for a set monthly charge. I have subscribed to this service because the government's appalling record on waste collection is a public-private partnership the way forward. Should the government give tax credits for people who pay for waste to be corrected by uh, private companies and uh, on the subject of the uh, new territories and village houses nt joe says ever since the government moves housing into the new territories we've had an abundance of fly tipping it would be more effective for the government to put cameras everywhere and charge these illegal tippers thousands of dollars to make up the shortfall in the government bucket and they're charging for tipping as well and we still need deeping bricks and rubbish australia has big machinery to deal with this problem that comes uh, from uh, nt joe hugh i can fill in a little detail yep. there so there apparently the bags are going to go up to 100 liters and if you have something that doesn't fit in a bag you get a label i think that is a flat fee of 11 dollars was a, was what i was reading was in the policy now helga you look like you were gearing up to answer the call to about about what kind of metrics uh, uh, and what happens see. in village houses as well yeah um villages helga yeah yeah go on yeah good uh, so typically you'd have to diversify your collection methods depending on whether you live in high-density housing or uh, indeed village houses. I'd like to point out that in most countries, the bigger issues are with high-density housing like we have in Hong Kong, and the, the village-type uh, housing is relatively easy to deal with, right? So it's, it's not impossible. It's actually easier than the high-density housing. Um, but to say that it's today hunky-dory and we should leave it as is is clearly not correct because it's a mess. Um, to the uh, landfill tax uh, that was pointed out, that's a very different type of tool. That is an additional policy tool where you can't bring, um, sorry, where, where on the top of the cost of operating the landfill, there's an artificial taxation to artificially or taxation to artificially raise the prices further to give um, a level playing field to alternative methods like recycling and composting. Uh, the tax credit is in effect what is going to happen, right? What, what the municipal waste charging does is give you more control over your spending on waste management. Rather than government applying your general taxes to this, you now are only going to be paying for what you actually generate. So this um, indeed what's happening. As to the metrics, um, there is a, a target for 2035 to reduce uh, race to landfill to, by 40 to 45 percent. Okay, well, that's, it's that's not, a pretty clear number. <laughs> yeah. if, um, if we're not getting there, it, even though we have municipal waste charging in place, it will not only be because of municipal waste charge, charge not highly enough. Right? It could be 
uh, to your earlier point, because not enough additional infrastructure has been put into place for recycling, not enough education has taken place to uh, explain to people why recycling is important and especially how to do it, or indeed not enough trust can be placed in recycling systems. This phenomenon of people seeing street cleaners, building cleaners, putting recyclables into the gen uh, general trash is a very broad complaint, very often heard, and is a key barrier that we also identified with uh, earlier research um, to people participating in higher numbers and more actively in uh, existing recycling programs. So it's also something that needs to be addressed. So uh, who's going to be responsible for these metrics? I mean, Paul was kind of suggesting earlier, maybe we need something like a, like a unified A waste authority. Yeah, so we, we need a waste, waste authority that keeps all the numbers together. We don't have a good baseline even here in Hong Kong. We do not really know what's being generated. Our methods for, for uh, counting and measuring the waste that's being generated are not uh, fully adequate. Mm -hmm. um, so it's hard if you don't even have the baseline, it's very hard to figure out what actually your recycling rates are. We have a good number on the or good visibility on the disposal rates into the landfill. That's how, how probably much, the only number that's very solid. How much of the responsibility for this metric falls on the Environmental Protection Department now? 100% or do they share it? Is the, is the responsibility diffused so the finger pointing mm -hmm. can go in all kinds of places? Or is it all the Environmental Protection Department? I, I, I don't think it's as much finger pointing as um, having a hard time to collaborate on these topics. If you take um, a place that's probably very familiar to um, to many of your uh, listeners, uh, the, the DB Ferry Pier um, here in, in Central, um, you'll see that there's uh, plenty of opportunity to put recycling bins there, um, but that little piece of land between the pier and the first road, there's three, four agencies that have something to say there. So just the simple act of placing a bin, let alone having a contractor in place to empty that bin, could be bickered over by various different uh, agencies. And it's not necessarily finger pointing, it's just an additional administrative hurdle. That's why- You mean different government departments? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, so some more thoughts. Uh, Nicola, uh, a couple of people uh, highlighting waste reduction. Uh, Nicola says, where does the uh, waste come from? Too much packaging. The manufacturers and supermarkets need to be penalized and persuaded to reduce packaging uh, with plastic. And um, Chris says, people look on recycling as the answer to getting rid of rubbish, but this can also be a wasteful process. Surely it'd be better not to produce the waste in the first place. For instance, Hong Kong people don't trust the quality of the tap water. I've been drinking it for years, so buy bottled water. The government could supply and install water filters on every apartment block in Hong Kong and then ban bottled water. This would still be cheaper than cleaning up the empty bottles. They, of course, won't do this because major suppliers such as Watson's or Swire's would shout at them. Bottled water has only been around for 30 odd years, so we used to drink tap water before then. That comes uh, from Chris. We could have another discussion on, on water. Water dispensers is, 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 is a good topic. Of course, COVID has been really bad for uh, or water dispensers mm -hmm. as they have been closed off everywhere because every, yeah. every, everyone who has an, a t an open tap that anybody could drink from is a potential COVID risk and you're liable because the tap was on your property. So, so uh, LCSD and FEHD, everybody has closed them off. Mm -hmm. Now slowly we see them opening. The new design ones are being opened where you put a bottle and you, don't, you can't touch the nozzle. Uh, COVID has also been bad for packaging waste. I mean, there's been the packaging waste has gone up dramatically with the delivery. So, so COVID has been bad, but I, I, I totally agree with all the comments that are being made. Um, we can reduce half 
the bottles that are currently going to waste every day if we would all drink water from a dispenser mm -hmm. because that's the number. Although I will make one slight historical correction. I think we've had bottled water a lot more than 30 years because I think Watson's was originally doing it when they were having uh, outbreaks of dysentery in Guangzhou like 120 years ago. Well, we couldn't trust our water supply. <laughs> now we can trust yeah. our water supply. I'm just saying, supply. as a point well, of historical accuracy. I think, I think what, people used historical to do, what people used to do was very often boil their water. Yeah, when we, they, should, we should look still do. You get tap water, people would boil it and then keep it in a fridge or something like yeah. that. And that they was, still that do, even though boiling doesn't do anything about the potential heavy metals in the water, which is the biggest concern in okay. Hong Kong. Bacteriologically, it's completely... This is another discussion for another day. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, Richard says, we are in the wine business. Uh, this is an email. A few months ago, the bottle recyclers were short of stock, so we were given a bin by Baguio, who collect on Hong Kong Island. Our bin has been full to overflowing for three weeks now. No collection in sight. Reminders well, ignored. Uh, yes, he doesn't have a phone number, or otherwise contact me and I'll get the bin. Been re re cleaned by Bacchio. I mean, okay. there is a contact number for this. Go. All right, Richard, if you if you do that, I'll pass, pass that on to uh, Paul. And um, Patrick finally says, "Hi there. You can recycle all you want, but where does it all will go? Are we actually recycling anything here in Hong Kong?" Very good question. Okay. And, yes. and, the, and I don't say that to put more doubt in, but I think it's something that everybody should ask: Are we actually recycling what we put into the bin? And the answer is increasingly yes. Um, the contracts are improving. The infrastructure here in Hong Kong is improving. Um, in September, there will be a local um, plastic bottle recycling plant opening. We have um, a recycling plant for, for liquid cartons, what we you know, commonly call Tetra Pak. Um, and, and it's true that Hong Kong has a history of trading recyclables and hence quite a bit of waste uh, along with it. Um, but there is an, an, an effort underway to improve local recycling uh, uh, um, uh, activities. The challenge is land tenure. The answer is always land in Hong Kong. Um, a lot of recyclers sit on very short and un insecure uh, ten um, uh, land uh, tenures. And as long as that hasn't been improved, it's very hard for them in to invest in better uh, recycling infrastructure. So this is something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. yeah. All right. On Facebook, Sachin says, I would like to raise the issue of creation of plastic waste itself. For example, you look at prices of plastic containers for dishwashing liquids, detergents, etc. In supermarkets, prices of the, ba uh, the plastic 5-litre bottle is lower than the refilling aluminium foil pouches. These bottles have pumps, plastic bottles, etc. Uh, I wonder what is the logic behind this kind of uh, pricing. That's from Sachin. Um, thank you very much indeed for that and uh, thank you very much indeed to our guests this morning to uh, uh, Helen Van Turnout who's the founder of uh, Wealth of Flows Consulting thank you very much indeed and Paul Zimmerman a Southern District Councillor CEO of uh, Designing Hong Kong here's an email from uh, Paul uh, okay this is not uh, medically sanctioned this is Paul's uh, individual take okay let's put that proviso in first <laughs> quite a proviso. Paul says uh, yeah. none of your esteemed medical experts guests have ever pointed to a scientific study which show that masks make any difference with COVID cases. In fact, the recent COVID-19 cases across the US show no correlation between states with mask mandates and case numbers compared to those without. Therefore, coupled with this proposed new trash tax and crippling high temperatures, this mask, stupid mask mandate should be dropped. They are filthy, tortuous, antisocial, terrible for the environment, and if they actually did what is claimed of them, then they should be treated.
treated as bio waste. That's from Paul. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Paul. Paul not, Paul not Zimmerman. He just wants to be clear as he as he prepares for his exit. We wanted to turn finally today, as mentioned, to to the weather and, and the heat. Sunday, the uh, hottest May day uh, on record, and it looks like the uh, the hot weather uh, will, will stick around. Uh, even some suggestions this summer will be particularly hot. Um, are we adapting? How should we uh, react to this uh, change uh, in weather? Unfortunately, um, somebody died of uh, while hiking. Uh, perhaps attributable uh, to the heat. And there's also a, a popular petition which is uh, uh, going round uh, uh, seeking to uh, improve uh, conditions for people uh, in prison where there is no uh, air conditioning and uh, uh, the fans are said to be uh, inadequate uh, by some. We're joined now by uh, Lung Wing Mo, who's a former assistant director of the Hong Kong Observatory. Mr Lung, good morning. Good morning. Many thanks for, for joining us. Okay, um, do we know anything about this summer, first of all? Do we expect it to be particularly hot or in Hong Kong? Well, well, not really. Uh, uh, I mean, if you want to find out uh, how is it going to be in this summer, then we can probably refer to the climate projection issue by the Hong Kong Observatory. And um, uh, that is uh, actually... Um, Actually, going to be a little bit warmer than usual. So, 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 so the general trend is that it's going to be hotter and hotter, but there is no way telling exactly how hot it is. So, um, I, I, I think I think the the very hot weather on the Sunday, record-breaking uh, weather on Sunday, is a reminder of things to come uh, in the re- in in the near future. Uh, you know, there used to be kind of ways to get round the the heat, and people would use fans. And you know, architecture uh, was built with lots of shade, and you know, set back from windows, uh, set back from the you know sunshine, and, uh, and things like this. Now it seems the answer is um, you know put an aircon in it, whether it's transport, whether it's schools, whether it's buildings, uh, or, or, or so on. Is that is that the way forward? Is that what we're going to have to do? Because we just we've got used to the aircon now. just displace thermal energy it just takes the heat from outside it takes it from the inside puts it outside right because of course those things are cranking yeah it's like walking behind a bus right those things are cranking cranking out a heat wave yeah obviously uh well um uh, i 
mean, uh, it's manifested in, in, in what we call the urban heat island. Yeah. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, yes, I mean, on, on Sunday, uh, the temperature in Chimsa-Cherry, Hong Kong Observatory was over 36 degrees. So this is a manifestation of urban heat island. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, the uh, uh, continued extensive use of uh, electricity is going to bring about uh, even more a uh, 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 severe problem, what we call the climate crisis. Yeah. And, and this is what uh, things we're going to see, because according to the projection of the Hong Kong Observatory, if this kind of lifestyle continue into the future, if there is no uh, suitable uh, technology where we can uh, switch to clean uh, uh, electricity or a low carbon or zero carbon uh, electricity, then by the middle of this uh, century, which is about 30 years away, uh, we could see as many as 50 very hot days every year. Mm. Are and- we... People are saying that, you know, that's coming. But, I mean, people we've already forgotten that we had a really cool and long and extended uh, winter. I mean, even into April, it was really pleasant. And usually it's already getting hot by then. But we've kind of forgotten that. But, I mean, how many of these record-breaking days, are they are they happening more and more often? I mean, did we have a record-breaking May last? Oh, no, I guess this was the hottest since, what, 1884? Um, uh, I, think, I think the individual record-breaking events are not as alarming to me mm-hmm. as the long-term trend. Right. Uh, we, we do have uh, weather records being broken every now and then. Mm-hmm. For example, the uh, maximum hourly rainfall, for example, wind speed, for example, temperature and so on. That, that records are, are meant to be broken, but it's a trend that is alarming because as I said, the projection for number of very hot days mm-hmm. is about 50 degrees by the, by the middle of the century. But last year, we already have 47, and then a year before. So this is very, very exceptional, because in the old days, if we use the long-term average, it should be about 10 days. It should be about 10 days. Yeah. But uh, last year, it was 47, Oof. and the year before, it's, it's nearly, uh, it's over 40. So, so this is uh, totally outlier, mm-hmm. and uh, the trend is very alarming. Yeah, I guess maybe we've just gotten so good at you know gotten too good at adapting to it. I mean, it doesn't you know people just kind of stay indoors or they go to the mall. I guess unless you're locked up in a cell in jail, <laughs> sweltering <laughs> with nothing but a small fan. Yeah, but 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 I think uh, there there are there are lots of underprivileged people in Hong Kong sure. living in subdivided flats, and 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 studies show that. Um, the temperature inside subdivided flats are a couple of degrees higher than the outdoor temperature, oh, and, and that that means those people will, will. I mean, I mean, summertime for those people will be will be a really nightmare for them. Mm-hmm. Do do we have places for those people to go? I mean, I guess you know, for a heat shops, yes. shopping yes, malls, yes, but I mean, at nighttime. Yeah, yeah. Is that I mean, I mean, as soon I mean when the Hong Kong observatory observatory issued the very hot weather warning, uh, the shelters of, of, uh, operated by the government will be open. So they are free to go. But I think uh, people w- would not like to go there unless it's absolutely unbearable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or shopping malls, people will go to shopping yeah. malls as well. Sure, yeah. sure during the yeah. daytime. Uh, uh, another, another example of vicious cycle, <laughs> we have we have free things shopping malls. I, I think I think the situation has improved a little bit lately, mm-hmm. uh, because in the old days it's, it's really really cold in the shopping malls. Yeah.
Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah, well, well, just a couple of comments. So Mary uh, in an email says, Dear Backchat, uh, while determined Enviros grip their teeth and still manage to survive without aircon, the EPD, instead of tackling the issues, is relying ever more on selfie-friendly programmes. A good example of low-hanging fruit would be the 24-7 lighting of corridors and staircases that not only consume lots of energy for no purpose, but also cause light pollution to those unfortunate to be exposed to the glare. Refuge floors on tall towers is another example of waste power. Uh, it should be mandated that all new buildings use sensor control lighting systems and that older buildings will be retrofitted within a certain time frame. Easy one would think. Instead, we get convoluted proposals that always involve dispersing lots of taxpayers' funds to those well-versed in scamming our easy-touch uh, administration. And someone who signs himself G. Hotter says, Aircons are also making many people sick in Hong Kong. You need to keep informing people they can save a lot of electricity if they clean the air filters on their cons. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Yeah, actually talking about air conditioning, I understand that the uh, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology has uh, uh, studied some new way of providing comfortable temperatures or conditions for indoor uh, uh, conditioning, which is, which is, which emphasize not on lowering, lowering the temperature, but by reducing the water content, reducing the, the, the relative humidity. And, um, and, and in doing so, uh, the studies show that uh, it will sort of uh, reduce electricity consumption by as much as 50%. So, this, I mean, technology is the way forward. Mm. I mean, we, we rely heavily on, uh, on, 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 on present-day technology. But uh, uh, there are technologies which are much more efficient uh, uh, in using electricity and providing comfortable environment for us. Okay, let's hope so. Uh, Lung Wing Mo, many thanks for joining us. You're uh, welcome. F- thank you very much indeed, Mr Lung, a former assistant director of the Hong Kong uh, Observatory. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Always a pleasure, Hugh. Here's the weather before we go. Uh, sunny periods, a few showers and thunderstorms, and then very hot in the afternoon. Temperatures up to about 33 degrees today. The outlook, very hot weather persisting in the next couple of days, and also a few showers. More showers and thunderstorms early next week. There's a thunderstorm warning. In effect, until at least 10, 28 Celsius now. Relative humidity at 91%. Why have so many online accounts and passwords when you need only one with I Am Smart? You can access different online services using the I Am Smart platform, fill in forms automatically, and receive personalized notifications such as reminders on tax and rates. Download the I Am Smart mobile app now. You can use it after a few simple registration steps. For more details, visit imsmart.gov.hk. I Am Smart, safe and swift. 933, the news now with Samantha Butler. A member of the COVID vaccination task force is urging people to get inoculated, saying the doses that Hong Kong now has may be all it can get for the rest of the year. Dr Thomas Jung, the former controller of the Centre for Health Protection, said Hong Kong was lucky it had vaccines for everyone, yet its take-up rate was only around 20% because of a false perception that it wasn't safe. He urged people not to take a wait-and-see approach in case the vaccines weren't available at a later stage. European Union leaders have agreed to ban Belarusian airlines and have told EU carriers not to fly over Belarus after a flight within the bloc was diverted to Minsk and a journalist arrested. The EU also said it would extend targeted economic sanctions against the Belarusian authorities in response to Roman Protasevich's detention on Sunday.
And US Olympic officials say they're confident their athletes will be able to take part safely in the Tokyo Games, despite US government advice not to travel to Japan because of the coronavirus. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. 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 How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's a great experience if you just want to give a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew.